Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right. Well, good morning. We're starting a brand new series today. It's called Fresh Dreams. How many people know fall's a good time to do something fresh? You got to change some up at your house, or that's what my wife told me why we were buying new decorations yesterday for the house. That's her story, and she's sticking to it, but I like it. It's all good. So welcome to those watching, worshiping online. It's great to have you with us here today. Fresh Dreams. Uh, we, in March, in March, we had Brother Alton Garrison with us, uh, previous assistant general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and uh, been leading us on a couple weekends this year. Our staff's been part of it, something called the Acts 2 journey, and just going back and saying, okay, what are the dreams that God has for our church? Not what are our dreams, but what are, what are God's dreams for us? And uh, we're excited to do that. So we're going to share some of those with you. One of the exercises that we went through with him is writing these statements down that you just saw in the video. So that's going to be our next uh, month and a half, two months of services as we talk about each one of those. But I want you to know, although they were written in the first person, our staff did them together. So it's more like we dream of a church where this stuff is happening, but it's our goal. It's our prayer it's our dream, I don't know, that even as you leave every week, you would be able to join with us and say, we corporately as a church have this dream together that we want to experience the presence of God in new and fresh ways. Amen? Amen. So I want to clarify up front that these are not like corrective messages. This is not to say uh, worship is bad at our church, uh, but they're clarifying messages. We've been growing so much this year and last year that it seems like the, the scales have tipped again that there's more newer people than like longer term people. So it's important that we are reminded as we move forward so that we're able to move forward together. And so you might've come from any kind of different background or no background church wise. I mean, everybody's got some kind of background, but, but so that's just an important thing for us to do talking together. So over the next, I don't know, two months, we're going to talk about worship and discipleship, serving, evangelism, fellowship, and that's just going to be great. Next month, I'm excited to announce uh, somebody joining our preaching team. You won't want to miss that announcement. And then also, of course, October 29th is the fifth Sunday, so it's our last water baptism Sunday of the year, and uh, we've baptized 98 people so far this year, so uh, if you've not been baptized in water, it's your time coming up next month. It's going to be awesome. All right, well, if you have your note sheet, you can look at that, and then in a moment, we're going to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and we'll stand together for that, but you see there on the top of your note sheet, every week we'll print the phrase so that you can have it. It's a little bit long to memorize from seeing it one time on a video. Um, but our dream, our declaration is that we would be a church where worship, we're going to talk about that today, is representative of the heart of our congregation to experience the presence of God together. This is more than just uh, the heart of a few people. We need everybody in on this if we're going to do it together. It's one of the reminders as we talk about these kind of vision messages for the church. We're not able to do these alone. It's really tough to fulfill all the one another commands of Scripture by yourself. Whether you like it or not, we need each other. 
Some of you like it for one person, but not the other, but we need everybody if we're going to do this together. And so that's what we're talking about today. First Chronicles chapter 16. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'm at page 783. If you don't have the same Bible, it's going to be a different page. Anyway, if you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning? Let's read God's word together. If you'd like to use our digital Bible, it'll be the same for everybody. First Chronicles chapter 16. By the way, we don't really know who wrote Chronicles. It might have been Ezra. That's what a lot of scholars say. And because I don't know any different, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Doesn't really matter for today's message. But anyway, verse 8. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Of course, we're talking about worship here this morning. Let's pray and then uh, we'll give you these notes. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, we can now boldly approach your throne of grace with confidence. So we gathered to lift high that mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help nobody leave the same, but everybody become more like Jesus today. We ask it in that name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, I'm... I want to make sure that you know this, that worship is more than just the songs we sing on a Sunday morning. It's also the songs we sing on Wednesday night. (laughs) No, come on, it's it's including the worship songs that we sing in corporate settings. It includes the songs we sing in our personal time of devotion, but it's really every action of our life declaring that he is worthy to be praised. He's worthy of worship. You know, humans, we were all created and do, in fact, worship something. Some people worship their retirement account when it's going up, and then they cuss out their retirement account when it's going down, right? Like, but, but we're all going to worship something, but you and I, we were created to worship our creator. By the way, we're created to worship him forever. And so here we're going to talk about that today. It definitely includes, it's more than just our corporate time of musical worship, those expressions, but it definitely includes those. And so we're going to talk about that. But as you saw there uh, in that dream statement, the most important thing for us in this church is that we experience the presence of God together doesn't matter if you're an age-graded service or language setting, a community group, a Sunday service, whatever it is, our desire is not that we observe the presence of God. It's not just that we learn about and we read about things that have happened in the presence of God. All of those disciplines, all of those endeavors are designed, our dream is to experience the presence of God together for ourselves, not just what our parents or grandparents or the church down the street or around the world. We want to experience his presence together. So we like to say there's people come to church for two reasons, for observation and participation. And it's our prayer that you'll participate with us as we experience the presence of God. Amen. All right. Well, there's opportunity for more of you to be excited about that as we go throughout the message. Number one, when we're talking about worship, hear from this text, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Worship involves shouting his name. That's number one. Shout his name. It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he's done. Now, right away, some of you might be thinking, 
I wrote in my notes, some of you might say, but some of you are so Norwegian and Lutheran background, you're not even going to say it. You're just going to think it. Some of you were thinking, well, Pastor Derek, it's not my nature or my personality to shout like Pastor David. (laughs) So let me just say two things about that. Number one, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says you become a new creation. In fact, you've been given a a new nature. You, You once lived in your sinful nature. You once lived in your old way. But when the Bible says Jesus comes into your life, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in your life. The old is gone. The new has come. So you can feel free to just go ahead and enjoy your new nature, the one that will worship him forever. Amen. Now, the second thing I want you to know about this whole deal about new nature and shout his name is that Um, The good news is I'm not actually referring to your amount of volume. (laughs) So the rest of you can just breathe a sigh of relief here this morning when we talk about this, right? You don't have to be loud like Pastor David or Pastor Josh in order to shout his name. But here's what I know. If we're going to shout his name, it means you can't stay silent. So for some people, their shouting might be a conversation, might be a whisper. But what I know is for all of us, it means we're not silent. If we're going to do the word, according to the word here that says, make known among the nations what he's done, how are those who've never heard going to hear unless we say something? So that's one of the things that we do. we're, We're part of this great commission. That is from Jesus. We're part of the MM33, the Global Fellowship of Sons of God, planting one million churches around the world. But it's Jesus himself who said, go into all the world, make disciples, we'll talk about discipleship next week, of every nation. So really, shouting his name was Jesus' own idea. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring, again, maybe Ezra, but, but we're going to make him known among the nations what he has done for us. Did you know, let me give you some practical reasons today of why we do some of the things we do when we gather together. Maybe you didn't know there's not like an online service order that we just print off and every church does the same thing whenever they gather. There's no like a book that I get to read from and say, I mean, there's a book I read from, but you know, that tells me this is what I have to preach this week or whatever. But when we look at our corporate gathering times, one of the reasons that we share testimonies, right? Sometimes it's an offering video. Sometimes somebody will come up and I might hold the microphone for them because they don't want to touch it in case they're electrocuted. Just kidding. The microphones don't bite, but maybe whenever they share a testimony, right? There's testimonies of God healing their body. We, we, we've heard of when God has uh, delivered them from any cancer in their body. We've heard testimonies of when their children have come back to the Lord and we celebrate like it was our son or daughter, right? We've heard testimonies of God's provision where just in the right amount of time, God showed up. It usually came through somebody else being generous in their life, but God God provided. We share testimonies in our services. Why? So that we make known what he has done. He's already done it, but if we don't tell people what he's done, how in the world can he get praise from it? So it makes sense when we, by the way, we're not like unsure of how to fill up the service time. So we're just like, oh, let's tell a story of what God did. No, we're according to the Bible, we're doing what he has instructed us to do. Because if we can't give testimony in here, how much more unlikely is it that we'll give testimony out there? This is the easiest place to share what God has done in your life because everybody in here is for it. (laughs) 
mean, there was two people that weren't, but we kicked them out last week. Don't worry about it. You know, but I'm just saying we didn't kick anybody out, but this is the church where everybody's for celebrating what God has done in your life. This is the easiest place. And I believe he gets glory. He receives praise when we tell other people what he has done in our lives. So that's why we pause to testify about what God has done in our lives, whether physical or emotional, spiritual, or even financial, it's important that we give praise to the Lord. So when God does something amazing in your life, notice I did not say, so if God does something amazing in your life. The fact that we're all still here, God has done at least one amazing thing in each of our lives. Now, other people have had something more recently amazing, and, and uh, you know, we could hear one of them, Susie. Susie and Henry are back in the building, so come on. We love you guys. Good to see you guys, the shoemakers. And so we've been praying for them and helping. Thank for everybody that swung by and visited with them and meals and stuff. But they've had something more really amazing more recently, but, but all of us have had something amazing, and God will continue to do amazing things. I've always heard that, and I believe that. If God never did anything else, he's still done enough for us to give him praise. But because of who he is, because of his very nature, he's not done doing amazing things in our lives. I mean, it's, it's good theology to say if he never did anything else, but practically speaking, he is not done working on our behalf. So when he does something amazing in our lives, we need to tell other people about it. Regardless of our comfort, style, personality, all that kind of stuff, if we want to give him praise, the way we really give him thanks, give him glory, is yes, we tell him thank you, but we tell others what he has done. So we're following the word of God to proclaim his name, to make known among the nations when we gather in this way. Now, maybe you're here. I mean, you are here, but maybe you're here and... (laughs) you're still waiting for God to come through in a significant way for a specific area of your life. Maybe you've been sick in your body for a while or you've continually been having more months than money or waiting for years for your child to return to the house of the Lord. What I want you to do in the meantime is to remind yourself of what God has already done in your life. I'm gonna push you a little bit here and say, when you remind yourself, I want you to actually say it out loud. Not just think about what he's done, but to say it out loud. Something's going to happen. It's going to be a double form of encouragement because you'll think about it either way. Most of you think about the words before you say them. But if you just think about it, that's one way. But then there's a double encouragement that comes when you say it out loud, you'll be encouraged in your spirit. And when you hear the testimony that you just gave, your spirit will be encouraged again. So while you're waiting, you and I ought to speak out our praise, tell ourselves, tell other people what he has done for us. Amen? Amen. All right, number two. Number two, we need to sing his praise. I mean, you had to know if I'm preaching a message on worship, we're going to talk about singing eventually, right? The Bible says make a joyful noise. That's more important for some of you than singing, but whatever. Just saying, uh, sing his praise. He says, sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. I, I don't have time to fully unpack this, but let me just say that even your corporate singing is a form of shouting his name. 
Like, think about somebody if they come, and maybe you're here for the first time today, fall launch, we welcome you here as well, but, but think about any new person on their first time ever going to church. If, if, if the worship team is leading us in worship, and everybody in the room is sitting down with their arms crossed, hands folded, hands in the pocket, whatever it is, nobody's singing, everybody's just staring. What testimony is that new person hearing? Our God must be dead. We don't really care about this. We don't believe what these people are singing. Contrast that by a new person coming in and there's a room filled with passionate worshipers, regardless of singing ability, people who clap their hands, lift their voice, lift their hands, declaring God is good, his love endures forever. Even while I'm waiting, I'm still worshiping. Can you think about the testimony that our musical worship, our corporate singing is telling to other people? So even singing his praise involves shouting his name. But this common, probably the most common place where we sing is is these kind of corporate church gatherings, the corporate gatherings of worship to the Lord. Now, maybe you're new to church, or I know our church is home to people with a lot of different um, kind of spiritual, different church type styles, backgrounds. We got people who grew up Lutheran and, and Catholic and Baptist and Pentecostal and charismaniac, that's a whole nother, uh, you know, they're just always, anyway, but um, let me just explain some things because you might be wondering, well, why is it that we do the things that we do? Why do we begin with worship? Why do we go through these things? What's going on? So let me show you some things I believe from scripture that help you understand why we do what we do. Why do we sing at the beginning of our gatherings? I'm glad you asked. But whenever we gather and we sing out praise and worship, we experience the presence of God in ways we would not if we skipped the singing of his praises. I'm just telling you, I've seen it in my own life. I've experienced it. And we know it according to scripture. Let me prove it to you. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Maybe you've heard that before. Psalm 22 and 3 says, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. I believe you and I could personalize that. We could say, you are holy, God. You are enthroned on the praises of celebration. We could make that personal, right? You are holy, God. You are on the, enthroned on the praises of of Derek or Dan or David, or you fill in the blank on your own name. And whenever we praise God, we know therefore he's right there with us. And what do we know is awesome? There's a whole lot of awesome things, but one of the awesome things about God being with us is we know the devil can't be. Think about that, right? John 1 and 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot, has not, will not, is not gonna be able to overcome it. Therefore, when we worship, when we sing out praise, we know God is here. And if God is here, the devil can't be here. This is why we notice the atmosphere changing. Have you ever been through a tough week, a struggle? You do all you can do to just make it into this place. And as the team begins to lead us, you can sense things are changing. Your spouse might still be crazy. Your kids still haven't done their homework. The chore list is still there when you get home, but things are changing. Why? Because in the atmosphere is praise and that's where God dwells. So this is what happens. Now, some of you are wondering, is the devil's address 16655 Kenyon Avenue? No, it's not. That's the church address, by the way. If you didn't know, now you know. But uh, I don't think he lives here and dwells here. But I'm just telling you, let me help you personalize it. 
this. If you're facing any demonic influences, strongholds in your home, turn on some worship music and begin to sing out praise to God and watch things begin to change. Because it's not just the atmosphere in a church building that changes when we worship God. If you're stuck in traffic and about to lose your salvation, turn on some worship music and begin to sing out praise, thanking God that you've got a car to be stuck in traffic in and watch the atmosphere begin to change because it truly happens. He inhabits the praises of his people. He sits on the praises of his people and wherever we lift high his name, there he is and where he is, the devil must flee. So it changes the atmosphere of the room we're in. That's why we sing out his praise. That's why we clap our hands. We lift our hands in worship, right? These are all commands in scripture, lifting up holy hands. And we clap, we're declaring his dominion in these areas. We're singing out his praise, which is also a form of shouting out his name. We're doing these things because in scripture, we are instructed to do so. And when the Bible gives us instruction on how to do it, notice the Bible doesn't say clap your hands if you feel like it. It doesn't say clap your hands if you have rhythm. That's good news for about three quarters of us here today. Praise the Lord, right? It doesn't say lift your hands if you had a good week. These are instructions that aren't dependent upon our feelings, but upon the facts found in the word of God. Here's another thing I was thinking about this week that I think is so awesome. I actually think... 2023, we're, we're here, you know, church history, sometimes I study it a little bit, look back at pictures or different things, and, um, you know, worship looks a little bit different right now, even in between services. I had somebody say, I used to go to a church that had hymnals in the pews. I was like, well, we ain't got pews, so we ain't got hymnals. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I think our modern church worship is actually the closest to heaven that any human's been able to experience. I'm gonna read you some scriptures. I don't know that anybody's thought about it this way, but as I was praying, looking at this this week, like heaven, spoiler alert, is gonna be filled with the throne room of heaven when we're worshiping. There's gonna be lots of color, lights, flashes of lightning and smoke. That's in the Bible. Look, look, Look at this, Revelation chapter four. Verses two and following. Then I'll skip to 14. He said, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. By the way, whether you're new or been here a long time, you and I are not the ones sitting on it. We're not the ones people are worshiping. I hope I never hear again from anybody in celebration. I didn't like the worship today. I don't care. Because we weren't singing about you anyway. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So there was one sitting on the throne. Someone was sitting on it. Not you and I. The one who was and is and is to come. Verse 3. The one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. Right. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Revelation 14. Then I looked and there before me was the lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps and they sang a new song before the throne. By the way, I hope nobody ever complains about Jeff Dio teaching you a new worship song. 
He's doing his best to help you get ready for Revelation 14 and verse three. If we only sing the old songs, we're gonna be shocked in heaven. So get ready, it's gonna be awesome. They sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. So our modern worship, it's got color. It used to, it's black and white. I was pretty sure when I was down there, it had color up there. That illustration didn't work out that well. We'll just move on from that, right? But flashes of lightning, strobes, and I'm just telling you, I believe we are getting to experience worship that looks closer to the throne room of heaven than anybody before in history. What awesome joy we have to sing his praise. All right, number three. So we're going to move forward through this, get through number four, and the team's going to come back, and we're going to worship again. If we gave God everything in the first time, we'll get another time. It's on the house. It's free. There won't be a second offering. But if you're here and you, you, you withheld just a little bit from the Lord, when we worship him again, I'm telling you, just go all out, shout out his name, sing his praise. And number three, sense his joy. I want to talk about some of the personal benefits that we have in worship. Some people think, oh, it's just the worship team or the pastor that wants us to worship. I want you to know you benefit personally. Your life improves when you worship. And I'm going to prove it to you biblically because there's something about experiencing the presence of the Lord. Here's what it says in verse 10. Glory in his name. He's the one we worship. He's the one we proclaim. Glory in his name. Now look at this benefit that we have, you and I. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. I'm telling you, friends, when you seek the Lord, your life gets better. Your life improves. There's tangible benefits to this worship expression of declaring his praise. When we worship, when we give God his rightful place in our lives, we sense his joy when we sing out his praise. Now, this is undeniable for those of us who passionately worship each time we gather. I kind of need a little bit of extra space for my worship because if I get stuck in the middle of a row, you know, I just, I'm so, I just need to spread out a little bit and that's just how I operate. But it's not here at celebration, just here at celebration. Like prayer gathering, I just occupy all the outsides. I just walk circles. Vicente and I, we're getting our steps in. Leave us alone. <laughs> but I just want to occupy that space, right? It's for me, but it doesn't matter wherever it is. Why? Because my spirit rejoices when I seek the Lord. Now, you might be wondering, well, why does this happen? How does, you know, what really goes on? I'm glad you asked. The Bible gives us numerous examples, but let me just give you four of them here today. It's a four-point sermon with like seven different subpoints. This is awesome. <laughs> this is what happens when I don't preach a couple times in the summer. You get six pages on one day. Amen. Here's the first thing that happens. These are all subpoints of number three of sensing his joy. Uh, one of the benefits that we experience in his presence is that we experience peace in our chaos. Many of us in the room can testify because we've experienced this very thing. But look at this, John chapter 20 and verse 19. It says, on the first day, on the evening after the first day of the week, by the way, this is right after Jesus was crucified. And uh, it says, when the disciples were together, they locked the doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. Their life was in chaos. 
The one they'd been following for three years was dead. He was gone. He was buried in the tomb. Everything they had thought they had worked out, their, their calendar, their planning agenda, their, everything. What do we do? He's dead. They were in chaos. And the Bible says they were, they were locked behind the door for fear of Jewish leaders. And I love this. Jesus came and stood among them. In the presence of Jesus, everything changes. Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now notice, in that moment, Jesus didn't say, here's all the answers to your questions. (laughs) Aren't you thankful that you and I can have peace even though we have questions? Aren't you thankful that we can have peace even though things are still in chaos? I don't know if you've read the newspapers lately or watched the news or heard about it. There's chaos everywhere. And yet, if you're a worshiper, if you spend time in the presence of God, I'm telling you, friends, you and I, we can have peace in the middle of our chaos when we don't know what's going to happen. When our plans have been canceled and our schedules have been changed, we can have peace in our chaos when we spend time in the presence of our King. Here's another thing. These are benefits to us. Another one is that we experience joy in our sadness. Well, how can that be? How can you be joyful and sad? Well, in this world, you have trouble. But Jesus overcame the world. So look at this. Let's let's read another verse. Uh, John 20, 20. It's the next verse. It's not just peace. Then we can have joy in our sadness. After this, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. He showed them the proof that he was the one that was crucified. And the Bible says that the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It's hard for me to explain to you. I just testified to you that that there is something that happens no matter what I've been through in the week, that I have joy in the middle of sadness. Now, I know as I was praying for you this week and the Holy Spirit was reminding me of different people in the church, we've got many people going through things right now with a lot of reasons to be stuck in sadness, right? Some people have suffered an accident. Other people, their family members are estranged. And I mean, you could just, I I could list the things on and on. There's a lot of things, but I'm telling you, friends, just like the disciples, we can experience joy in the presence of Jesus. Even if our struggles are still there, we can have joy. We can have peace, right? The Bible says we can have peace that passes understanding. I love praying for people that they would have peace that doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, the world, anybody can have peace when everything's going your way. Anybody can have joy when your team wins. I mean, as it stands right now at 1141, my team is still undefeated. Everybody who's not rooting for the Chiefs is, you know what I'm saying? But like, give it an hour or two and somebody's going to (laughs) lose. Or three hours, whatever the game is, you know. But, But we can have peace that doesn't make sense. Even when things are going against us, we can have peace and we can have joy. When we lift our hands, even in sadness, we experience joy. When we sing out our praise, even though things aren't going good, even even in our sadness, we can have joy. We begin to experience joy that can only be found in Christ. Here's a third benefit. It's another benefit. If you want to worship, this will help you. You will experience power in your weakness. It's true right here according to scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4. So when you are assembled and I'm with you in spirit, the power of the Lord Jesus is present. (laughs) 
Come on, somebody. We don't need to list all the examples. Anybody could probably testify to this because we've all gone through times of struggle. We've all been through times of weakness when we feel like we can't go any further, but then we barely make it into church or we barely get on the phone with a friend or we turn a CD on or Spotify or whatever people are using nowadays and something happens. Something begins to change in the atmosphere. Even though our circumstance might be the same, we receive strength that is found in the presence of Jesus. And this is what we know happens when we worship. This is why we, you leave different than when you came because you've worshiped the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I, I got to move on so we have time to worship together. The, the last thing that happens here is that we experience a softening of our hearts or a new heart altogether. But, but this continual oil of the Holy Spirit when we're Worshiping him softens our hearts, but Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a softening of hearts. Now, some of you, you're sitting here, you're thinking, Pastor Derek, does all this stuff really happen when we worship? Yes. <laughs> According to the word of God and testimony right in front of you from your pastor, these things all happen when we worship. So if somebody on stage is like, you ought to lift your hands, you lifting your hands is not going to make them feel better. But biblically, it will make you feel better. All right, number four. The last thing about worship is that we seek his face. Really, this is about all of them, but this is the important thing for us to be reminded of in this last verse, verse number 11. Seek his face. It says, look to the Lord and his strength. You know, that's one of the things that we do when we worship. We're reminding ourselves that we're not looking to ourselves. We, we remind ourselves that we can't do this on our own. We remind ourselves that there's only one who's worthy of worship and his name is Jesus. It's not our good ideas. It's not our achievements. It's not our accolades, right? But, but we are worshiping the one who is worthy to be praised. And so when we look to him, we look to his strength. He says, seek his face always. Worship is us recognizing that we can't do this on our own. And by the way, we don't need to. Come on, that's something that we are reminded of every time we gather together. We don't need to do this on our own. We shouldn't be trying to. We should look to him and to his strength and we ought to seek his face always. That's the, the last blank there on the bottom of your note sheet or on your notes app or however you're writing those things down. Always. This point number four, the closing statements, is that verse 11 altogether. Seek his face always. Do you understand what always means? It means not just when you're at church. It means always. It's not just when you feel like it. It's always. It's not just when it's convenient. It's always, right? This is what we do. We seek his face always. No matter what you're going through, seek his face always. When you're happy, seek his face. And when you're sad, seek his face. Thank you, Jeff Dio. It's not a trick uh, question, guys. It's point number four. It's printed on your notes. Like, when you get a promotion, thank you, Matt. This is your second service. I appreciate you learning it, okay? When you get laid off, 
What do I have to do for the rest of you to learn those three? I broke the whole thing. I didn't want this pulpit anymore anyway. I have one more page. I need one. No, it's okay. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. When it breaks, order a new one. So that's good. So we're going to do another offering for a pulpit later, but that's okay. I'm just going to hold it like this. When it breaks, okay, no, here we go. That's funny. I don't know what just happened there. No, no, I don't. No, don't, 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 don't. Fine. That's fine. I got, I got one more page. There you go. Joel, I don't know what you're playing, but I don't receive it. Okay, here we go. It's probably overdue. I dream of a church. <laughs> I really am on the last page now anyway, but where worship is representative of the heart of our congregation to experience the presence of God together. The heart of our congregation. Not just the pastor, not just the pastoral staff, but everybody. That we would do this together, young and old, rich and poor, light and dark, that we would do this together. On your way out uh, today, there's uh, some sunflowers. They're our gift to you today, fresh whatever today is, fresh, I don't know what the other word is, but fresh flowers. They're here for you. And uh, there's also fresh clothes. You need to pay for those, but the flowers, they're our gift to you, okay? so. But I Googled this about the sunflowers. I thought it was awesome. Maybe some of you know this. They say if you plant sunflowers, uh, you can watch them move throughout the summer. That early on, they, they face east when the sun's rising, and then they turn so that they face the sun throughout the day. They want to get that nutrients from the sun. But, but something happens, and I Googled again on Thursday. We were having our, our team meeting for the, the, the service, and I Googled again. Look at all the research I did this week for you. <laughs> And I read another study from UC Davis and they said, the sunflowers will move for most of the summer, but then when they get big enough, when they get ripe enough, when they get heavy enough, they stop moving and they just face one direction. They just stay facing east. And I thought, oh, that'll preach so good. Have you noticed that when they stop moving, they stop growing? You know, when, when you first gave your heart to the Lord, <laughs> You were like early in the morning, late in the day. You were always wanting to turn and face the sun. But something happens, you know, as we grow, as we mature, mature, however you want to say it. Sadly, many Christians stop moving and they stop growing. They become rigid in their routine. And I just like it this way. It's as if the sun hits me when I'm facing this direction, I'll take it. And it hit me this week is I'm coming up on four decades of following Jesus, 38 years so far of my 41 years of life. I don't want to become a rigid flower that's not looking at the sun. When we stop moving, we stop growing. So, so what's my prayer for us today is that we would all keep growing, keep moving in the things of God, that we would not settle to say, I've learned all there is to learn. I've ripened all I can ripen, but that we would stay fresh in the spirit, that we would stay fresh in the things of God and we would experience his presence together, amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? In a moment, they're gonna lead us in this song, Here As In Heaven, and that's gonna be our prayer. Some of you are thinking, are we dismissing early? No. As I mentioned, we, we, we wanna get to this point so that we can experience his presence 
together. Now, many of us, we might have given God everything, but that was like an hour ago. <laughs> so now we got more opportunity <laughs> to lift high, to sing his name, to shout his praise. Maybe you've never taken a step. This is me pushing you. As we were praying on Tuesday, um, one of the images that Pastor Lewis got as we were praying, asking the Holy Spirit to give us dreams and visions. He said, I was thinking about when I took my son, Stefan, Lewis talking, not me, I don't have a son named Stefan, but Lewis was saying he took his son, Stefan, to the park and he was gonna go push him on the swings. And Stefan was saying, push me higher, daddy. Push me, push me. He was just smiling, he was so excited. And Lewis prayed in and I just agreed with that, that we would all have that excitement that as God is pushing us, maybe the pastor would push you on behalf of the father this morning, that we're pushing in to new things. We're, we're not satisfied with where we've swung before. We want to experience him in fresh ways. So let's lift our hands, let's lift our voice and I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing here as in heaven. So Father, we come to you, sons and daughters of the Most High, and we lift high your name today. Father, we're praying. Even before we leave, we resume the events of our day and our week. We pause one more time to lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask that these moments would be indicative of every moment that we go live after this place. And so, Father, we offer not just our words, not just our hands, but we offer our lives. We offer everything within us to you today in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift our voice to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.